Welcome to the Warrior Women Project podcast, helping you become a warrior woman, sort your shit and find better balance in your life. Okay, so welcome to another episode of the Warrior Women Project podcast. And today I have with me the very lovely Charlotte Lowe. I met Charlotte maybe about 18 months ago, maybe a little bit yeah. longer at a networking event. And we both kind of went off the radar for 2017. And then <laughs> all of a sudden around 2018, the lovely Charlotte reappeared. And I was like, oh, I remember I met her at a networking event. And she was lovely. And I was <laughs> <laughs> So Aww. we went for tea, um, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, I think so. I had a three-hour window from when I was going to be meeting Charlotte to when I was meeting my, one of my friends for dinner and I thought right I'll take my book because I'll probably talk to Charlotte for about an hour and then I'll go and sit in another coffee shop read my book and then go and meet Susan and three hours later I was like shit I need to go <laughs> three hours just flew past and we were chatting and Charlotte's got loads of really good stories so I wanted to have her on the podcast to share a little bit of one of her stories or maybe a few stories who knows a handful yeah <laughs> so Charlotte how are you today oh good thank you yeah I, I can confirm that I can definitely talk for Britain and uh <laughs> yeah I don't know how I used to as a kid I used to think oh I'm a very quiet person I don't talk much but um truth is all the school reports said yeah Charlotte talks way too much I'm like <laughs> what but I'm so shy and timid and oh my god I'm really like in my shell <laughs> apparently not <laughs> those stories that we tell ourselves that we think we believe and everybody else kind of looks at you going that's not what your life at all like oh I know yeah well I used to tell myself I don't like sports like ew sports exercise no thanks turns out at one point at school I was in like five different after school clubs that were sports like dancing tennis running club and I'm like wait oh uh, somehow I'm still I'm doing sports so apparently I'm chatty and sporty and I didn't know <laughs> well there you go <laughs> I know so on, on that note why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about who Charlotte Lowe is and what it is you do yeah, so um, I'm a portrait photographer and I run Charlotte Kensington Portraits and the studio and my photography style is all based around a confidence building transformative experience as well as some epic images. I kind of, the best way I describe it is when you see Vanity Fair magazine or Vogue magazine and you see those big photo campaigns with the styling and things like that, well I do that but I bring it to the everyday person so that means makeovers and dress hire and suit hire and hand-painted backdrops and it's a whole it's a whole caboodle and it's great fun and it's something a bit different than the standard family on a white backdrop yeah, kind of thing yeah. I've seen some of your photos and they are absolutely stunning like you have one girl and it's the same face and just come three completely different really beautiful really strong really amazing images that you just think wow <laughs> oh thank you so much wow. yeah no <laughs> I, I know the person you're on about and she did so well rocking her session and there's still more images that I've got to edit and publish to be honest because yeah. yeah it's it's just oh it's brilliant I love it <laughs> so what made you get into that sort of style of portrait taking like where was that inspired from um it was 
initially I'd always been into magazine style portraiture and at first I recognized that I just liked the editing Photoshop side of things. Um, the before and afters of maybe slimming a jawline, um, doing digital makeup, that kind of thing. That was something that really drew me in when I was studying at college. Um, but it wasn't until I saw that other people were doing what I now do, um, which was bringing that magazine style in photography also, but to everyday people that I then realized that there's a market for this. There's a demand for this. There's people that would love to do this and I could really help people through this and it was like oh, it's a thing it's a thing and I can do this thing oh my goodness oh, let's do it <laughs> <laughs> so do you actually photoshop much of your people or no um at first I can I recall back the reason I was so into photoshop when I was at college was because I was just awful at photography I sucked <laughs> and I mean like hardcore was just horrendous I've seen my my nan take better photos yeah. like I, I I winged it I missed I didn't pay attention when they were talking exposures in the first class um, at the beginning of the first year and so for two years I literally was kind of basically shooting with my eyes closed <laughs> and so as a result I had to nail it in the photoshop department to save the images and get a good grade but um, as I started to progress with my education and I was self-teaching by the time I'd gotten my diploma and learning from other photographers, it became easier to just do really excellent posing, really epic outfits and really great lighting that you don't need Photoshop. And I guess all I do now is remove the spot that wouldn't have been there on a better day, yeah. um, maybe fix some lighting. And then if, let's say, a limb is closer to the camera, so it looks a bit be bigger, so that's typically arms. Arms tend to come forward in certain poses. I might slim an arm, but, like, we're talking millimetres, not epic changes that we've seen on awful, like, cosmopolitan magazines where it's like, wow, they are airbrushed. Because the whole point is to be you and you on your best day. Like, you've had all the water you, you could drink. You've had a great night's sleep. That's the look we're going for is you're just, you're looking great and fresh. Because <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people, when they see portraits done, the first thing they do is kind of scrutinise them to say, oh, has that been photoshopped? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And there's a really big and quite healthy movement to, and particularly in celebrities as well. And there was about two years ago a movement within the model community about publishing the unedited image. I mean, I don't know if you saw, but Demi Lovato, she did that music video with just a bit of makeup, but no airbrushing or anything like that. And she was trying to make a point of being natural and who she is. And you can see that they just did some really beautiful lighting and camera work. And that showed her off in her best way and that she didn't need all that airbrushing. And I guess that's really where I think photography should be going in terms of portraiture. It shouldn't really be steering towards relying on Photoshop like I did when I was 18. It should be, no, master your skill, master your craft. And then for clients, hire a photographer that has that talent that can do that for you. Yeah. Yeah. So what got you to where you are today in terms of your career? Like, did you start out as self-employed or...? No. Um, so I, as I mentioned, I studied at 
um, at college. Um, I didn't really find anything in my as A levels that I wanted to study, so I did a diploma. And while everyone was looking to getting signed up for a degree for the next after they had graduated their diploma, I was hired um, at a local studio to me um, near me down south to teach photography. Um, and that was mostly to armed forces leavers who were being made redundant and they needed to learn a new skill to be reintroduced to like work environment and things like that. So yeah, that was, that was quite something. And I was very, I can remember feeling so excited and so, so endlessly lucky to have gotten the job as well, because working for a photographer or within the industry, those jobs are like gold dust. They're so rare. And it was like, ha, ah, I've got one. Yes. <laughs> so what made you want to move from the transition to the transition? Oh, excuse me. Move from having that gold dust job to becoming self-employed? Well, um, it was quite a journey. I, I was only in it for two years and it started off really quite lovely I was still it was all new and shiny and things like that but it progressively changed into something that was very different to that and I felt quite pushed by the end of it to change my life really Mm -hmm. and kind of become self-employed and give photography a go because overall that job kind of killed my passion a little and uh yeah, like it was it was wonderful starting out. Um, but I found myself and I, I think quite a few people might be able to relate, and I found myself just working a nine to five after a while because the courses were the same every week. Um we did we ran a five day course and then a two week course, depending on if you were a beginner or an advanced. So they would cycle round pretty regularly. And so after a while it was like you memorize the script of teaching, you don't necessarily push yourself and your craft and it became quite monotonous and soul destroying in that arty aspect it was like oh I need to do something else otherwise like this can't be what photography just is and sure enough I was right and um yeah I exercised my brain a bit and kind of changed changed my methods did it feel scary when you were going to make that change um no because I had been kind of going through a dark period in that job. As time went on, not only did I realize the cycle of teaching happening, but also the work environment became quite toxic. It was a very small team of people. And, you know, I got on with them. They were lovely. And but because it was so small, it didn't really leave room to be you for or for errors or any growth there was no progression like I couldn't be promoted to manager or boss or anything like that because it's like oh I'm a manager of one person yeah brilliant (laughs) nailed it plus I was on a teeny tiny wage I was being paid eleven thousand pounds a year for over 40 hours a week and um I just I was coming from a place of toxicity at home so I desperately needed to move out but I couldn't because I wasn't being paid enough. And then I was going to work and that progressively got darker and a bit more challenging and a bit more soul destroying because just with everything being so structured, 
you know, as a creative person, you just kind of like want to be able to prop up a canvas and throw paint at it, go Jackson Pollock on yourself, but (laughs) (laughs) but you can't when it's so structured. So yeah, Um, after a while, that was the big push though, I think. That's why it wasn't scary to move on because it was like, I need to do something now or I'm going to just fade. I'm just going to hate the craft. It's going to, I'm going to become this gray blob with a cloud over my head all the time. And so in that sense, this new opportunity, this right, let's quit. Let's, you know, throw caution to the wind. It was like, yes, excitement, just anything, just change. That would be great. (laughs) And at what point did you realize that you had definitely made the right decision to move? Was it a defining moment when you went, yep, that's it? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, um, as the great Beyonce once rapped in a track called Ghost, uh, <laughs> she was saying, uh, the lyrics go, working nine to five to stay alive, just nine to five to stay alive. And I could relate to that on every level because it was day in, day out, just getting up, dragging my butt to work at 8.30 in the morning to open up the shop doing the same stuff every time. And I was putting on weight because for some reason we were serving biscuits to the students every 20 minutes. <laughs> and I was like, yes, biscuit. Yes. Oh, another biscuit. Yes. <laughs> Plus it was like the biscuit break. I don't smoke. So that was like my equivalent to a smoker's break. And it was like, oh yeah, a cup of tea and a biscuit. And I was like a little chubby fat star by the time I left, <laughs> just basically rolling out the door. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I was, I was doing the same thing every day and um, my boss wasn't the nicest bloke and the team were just so busy. To be honest, I think we were understaffed as well and everyone was chipping in and doing everything that involves running a business. And I liked that aspect because it meant that my work was somewhat varied, um, at least in the admin department. Um, but we were exhausted. And so I, it was coming to the point where I was going to work. I was working in quite a, it was literally dark. I was going to say a dark environment, but it was literally dark because being a studio that didn't shoot natural light that shot, um, strobes, we had, we had no window light because it works better that way. But I was probably really deficient in vitamin D thinking back. And so that would have affected my mood. So I was working in the dark, in a dark environment, and then going home and just going straight to bed because I was exhausted and I'd only wake up to eat. And it, it was just, it was, I don't know. Like I, I don't think that um, Jamie and his parents, I don't think know this because I moved in with them partway through the two years and I don't think they know this, but they, they really saved me by letting them, letting me stay with them because they created a little safe haven of, happiness and welcome welcoming behavior that I think I needed and uh so they were my my only solace and it was like yeah okay I need to I recognize that this isn't right this isn't what life's about I need to get going so do you think that they almost inspired you to make that change then because if you'd been going home to a dark place before and then went home to that little safe haven that that could almost have been unconsciously a trigger of things have got to be better than the way they were. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up in a very intense environment. Like, I think my family, we like to work on, like, 
up here and I'm gesturing with my hand for those who are listening to the audio, like I, my hands way up. Um, so we were like really intense. We, we run basically on stress and um, Jamie's family are, are beautiful, chilled, relaxed people. And it was like, whoa, oh, you can, you can take time to breathe and that's okay. And yeah, so they were inspiring and they kind of showed me as well because I had like, I think I grew up with goals in my head. It was very much drilled into me throughout life that I needed to work hard now to aim for a nice job that's well paid and I've just got to keep working hard and I've got to keep saving for a house and I, I must have a house. I must have a house because my family growing up, we didn't own a house. And so a lot of the time the goals for me were to also own a house. And so although they didn't keep telling it to me, I connected on an emotional level and in my head going through all my jobs since 16 years old, it was save, save, earn for a house, keep going, keep going. Doesn't matter what the job is. Just keep working, keep working, get a house, get a house, Charlotte, just keep working. It's fine. Keep working. And it was like, so that was, that was pushing me. And it was all about having to like, um, let go of that idea to relax a bit to let go to just be okay with then investing in me because by the time I'd left that job I had about eight grand saved and I was only twenty twenty one, and so I was I thought yeah I'm nearly there with a house deposit but by the time I was leaving it was like I had to let go of those standards those pressures of being a young person that somehow we put on ourselves for no reason but I'll get into that in a sec <laughs> and uh letting letting go of that and um just kind of in reinvesting all of that money and also my time and my health into myself and seeing it seeing that there was potential that things could be better than what they were that I could climb out of a dark place and that you know there's things that can change and I think that was very much around also changing my perspective on things without doing that I don't think I would have recognized it and I I'm not sure I would be here today to be honest yeah so I'm glad I did <laughs> I'm glad you did too yay <laughs> thank you <laughs> See, yeah like, that is a really young age like when I think back to being 21 all I wanted to do was go to the pub and go out and get drunk and party and like buying a house was the furthest thing from my mind like, yeah it's like a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility to put on yourself yeah no I was a plonker really I was very silly because I didn't have a social life and I think that really also impacted my mental health that already wasn't the best because it was literally I was I, I would sleep the entire weekend as well so I had no social life I literally lived to work which is why I refer to the Beyonce lyrics because it just nailed it totally what the experience was like. And yeah, like I, I think also it didn't help as well that I saw a colleague at this job. She was, I mean, she was impressive to be honest by 23, she managed to buy her own house. And I, I think I was still 19 or maybe 20 at that time. And I thought, shit, I've got three years. Somehow that also translated as to my goal then like, oh, well, if she's done it by 23, then I must have to do it by 23 because otherwise I must be a big fat failure. And so like all of a sudden it's like, wow, I've got three years. I've got three years to get another like, what, 12 grand together to get, <laughs> to get a deposit. And an 11 a grand year wage. Yes. And that's the other funny thing is that 
knowing how stingy the bloody promotions were at that place, it would have been at least 10 years until I was on 20 a year, which would have only then scraped by a mortgage repayment. So I don't know what on earth I was thinking. Yeah. But I was so young. And I also went to a school that was very much about hitting targets, hitting your best grades, because they were, they were an everyday school trying to be like a a really swanky school because we had like private style uniforms and all these I don't know they just really pushed it and so I think all of that growing up there was this mentality to achieve 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 and I wasn't the only one out of my year group from that school that that was struggling because I know people even today who were trying to let go of the idea the sense that they must have a house they must have a degree and things like that because it really was drilled into us throughout senior school and things like that so now everyone's kind of a bit wobbly a bit on edge and everyone and I'm like they're going guys you're like 23 24 you're like babies I know I know that you're that age and you're not going to recognize it yet and my, bearing in mind I'm only 24 so I'm speaking <laughs> as a baby telling everyone else is as a baby yeah. but I, I I've seen the light yeah so I'm like still a child <laughs> yeah I've got loads of time and people should just not worry about it yeah especially since you know i most most of my year groups still don't have children they're not married there's no like you know epic responsibility there so they they have a bit of flexibility it's just about that we've all got to come out of that conditioning to recognize it a little (laughs) (laughs) so you do you find that the experiences that you've been through help you deliver better photos like when you're doing these vanity fair style images yeah, because I know that um, particularly it's all really balanced around my mental health journey because when I was at that job, I had a, a breakdown. It lasted around three weeks. And to be honest, I think it would have lasted longer if it wasn't for that sneaky little thought of, Charlotte, you've got to get back to work. Don't forget to save for that house deposit. And so I came back too soon Um but yeah, I, I absolutely snapped and I was in my darkest place for about a year after that event. And so I, by then I had already left um, my work and tried to sort of announce to myself I was going to become self-employed, but I really needed to spend some time on me and I needed to find who I was and learn that because I was thinking I'm not good enough. I'm... I don't look great. My diet's terrible. I'm, I've had some serious burnout where I've overworked myself. I've not stopped. And I just thought, no, I need to switch my mindset around here because it's obviously not healthy. And none of these negative things I'm telling myself could be true because they're all really extreme. Um, and if they are, then I've just got to work at it so that I'm not those things anymore. And grow and recognize how awesome I could be and I how awesome I am and so with my portraiture there was particularly as I was starting this um I was aiming it solely at women because I think we have such a tendency to just look in the mirror sometimes and not feel good enough to just only notice the wrinkles the scars the spots the bit where the the strap on our bra is a little tight and so we see a bit of podge and like all of a sudden 
that's just like your world and that's who you are and that's the identity you've assigned yourself is all of these flaws and that's not right because all the people around you see your natural beauty because you know they're not coming at it from a personal angle so they've got the space and the environment to see you for who you are and who you are is a beautiful strong woman who can sort her own shit out and feel great and so when I was starting my studio it was right I know that most women have never had a photo that they love of themselves a lot of them are like taken on a drunken night out in the bathroom somewhere or <laughs> by I don't know I've never personally done that and um a wee shout out to my sister here because she's done several and I mean, she looks fierce and fabulous, I've got to admit, but like, what? Why? <laughs> but it's not, it's like the weirdest backdrop to choose. Like, yeah, a loo in the background, my face. But, um, Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. Great tangent. Good point. Um, but yeah, so most people have never had a photograph that they love of themselves. It's always like, it's either as well, um, your friend's taken it. So it's shaky and somehow too low. And we're just really highlighting an, a double chin as well. And it's just like, oh, for goodness sake. So the mission really was is to give people a photo, a portrait that they absolutely love, that they could finally see themselves as other people see them. And the beautiful thing about these prints is that they last a lifetime and beyond. Like all of these photos that I'm creating for these lovely women and now men will exist much further beyond me and like their great great grandchildren will be able to look at these photos and see oh I've got their eyes I've got their jawline I've got their cheekbones because that's what I did growing up when I went around my nana's I can remember seeing um my grandpops's I want to say dad his formal portrait from the second world war And I can remember staring at it and just trying to find the features that are in me and being like, I've got, oh, I've got his eyelashes and things like that. Like, oh, if I could mash up this grandparent from this parent and this grandparent from this parent, they would probably still have me because together those are the same qualities and things like that. And those are the things that we steal from our future relatives by not existing in photos. And so like the whole thing is just a mission on trying to get people to exist to accept themselves to feel really really good yeah so when you you were saying there just a minute ago about not feeling enough yeah feeling really down but then turning that around where did that inspiration come from because there are some women that just no matter what you tell them or the compliments you give them they still don't believe it in themselves what was it that inspired you to realize that change um i have a lot of women in my family um thankfully beyond the challenges that I had I grew up quite opinionated and headstrong so I was very lucky in that there wasn't a lot of room for self-doubt around my appearance but I have women in my life who I see really hardcore judge themselves and it oh it I can't it it breaks my heart because it's like yeah it's as someone from the outside I can see them and 
it's it's still a a mission to convince them to come in front of my lens yeah because they do have to exist and they really need to love themselves and once I recognized that that was a problem that they have I started spotting it in other people and this is why I started it with women but I've noticed that men do it too they just don't speak up about it um because at least you know with women we kind of gossip and we chat over a coffee and someone will throw something like oh I really hate myself in that dress like they're maybe flicking through a photo on their phone and they're like look how chubby I look in that and I'm like don't be silly you look fab like I couldn't pull off bright yellow and yet you were doing it perfectly but a man a man you wouldn't find typically anyway a man you wouldn't find him just like whipping out his phone showing the latest club night photo going oh that shirt that shirt shows my beer belly oh oh look how fat I look they don't but they just they think it within themselves quietly and so it's not even gender exclusive anymore all of this all of these confidence issues are vast across everyone all across the whole spectrum yeah and it's it's sad. Yeah, it is. And I think like you now live in Glasgow, so I don't know what it's like in other parts of the country, but west of Scotland, particularly the men, are not allowed to talk about their feelings. If there's a problem going on, they go and have a pint. They don't it's discussed and it's all we'll go and talk about football, we'll go and talk about programmes on the TV. And it's only maybe sort of more in the last two years that the mental health thing, because obviously the Prince Harry and Prince William have did the TV show and they've been bringing a lot of stuff up about mental health that guys are yeah. starting to realise that it's okay to do. And I've been to a couple of meditation classes in Glasgow and when I've been there, the number of guys that were there really surprised me versus the number of women. Like it was top heavy on men. At no way! Which really surprised me, especially in the west of Scotland. But when I've spoken to them, it's been like, it's because they can't speak about it. So they yeah. can meditate about it instead. And yeah. they find that they get their comfort and release from doing that because they're not comfortable speaking about it because they don't feel like they've got other people to go and speak to about. Yeah. It's really, it's kind of sad, but it's good that you've now got men coming to you to get the same kind of portrait shoots so that they feel good about themselves and they see themselves that the women do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, I think, because people still kind of like put their nose up at the idea of going to counseling to getting help professionally and things like that because there is still an unspoken stigma a bit around it and and a bit of shame that's tied to it which I kind of just want to quickly say that there shouldn't be because I've gone through it I'm not ashamed to say I went through it because it's something that really helped me identify what it was and fix it and without doing that it like you're not going to work on it you're not going to be able to do it but I think as well, we're quite, um, everyone today in 2018, we're quite a, um, we want instant results. And because everyone lives such busy lives, I think also therapy and counseling doesn't quite fit into that as well for those reasons. And so I found at least with portraiture, that my turnaround time is like you go through the experience within a month and you're holding your portraits and there's something quite instant about that and also there's photographic evidence there's undeniable evidence about how great you are because it's not just about making you look great with hair and makeup or putting you in a nice dress or suit it's 
showing the person as who they are, who they identify with and reflecting that and showing them all the best bits. And people, people really recognize that. I've had people in uh, real reveal parties where they've just burst into tears. Cause I like to show like a little behind the scenes video of their experience to remind them. Cause it's been about two weeks since their shoot. So I, I show them the movie and then they see their gorgeous images and they, I've had people burst into tears because they've like, wow, I never, I never saw myself that way. I like, is that really me? And, you know, I'm like, yeah, no, of course. Cause bearing in mind, I've barely Photoshopped. It's not that they're not recognizing themselves cause I've like edited them <laughs> to look completely different. It's more like, here you are. This is how other people see you. And you are as strong, as bold, and as brave as you come across in those images. And it's, it's really instantly healing. And it's, it's, that's what makes my job so awesome. Because as a photographer, I thought, I'm going to just do standard family portraiture. I'll do a bit of weddings, because that's your bread and butter. You've got to do weddings and ugh, things like that. <laughs> With a little bit of experimentation, I soon found out that that was like not my path. <laughs> Just because I can't handle the stress, I commend a wedding photographer and I see why they charge their prices because, blimey, it's a lot of work. But um, that's the cool thing about this job is that it's not a standard family photo shoot. It's something way more epic and spurs on such amazing growth in people. And that's the bit I love most. I love the craft and the art side, but I never saw or never thought that I would be a therapist through photography. Yeah. And that's that. Oh, that's so rewarding. It gives me tingles thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell because when we've spoken, like speaking just now, obviously I can see you because we're talking through the video. Yeah. Um, and your face just lights up when you're talking about it. Like <laughs> you can see yourself thinking and you're you're almost like walking somebody through an experience in your head and your face is just lighting up as you're seeing that <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I, I am thinking of previous clients and I can because I've got um sort of partial I can't claim for a full but I've got a partial photographic memory so I'm literally playing as I'm talking I'm playing through the footage I see a playback of people looking at their reveal walls and yeah. just like oh Oh, tingles. Yes. <laughs> so you must spend a little bit of time before the actual photo shoot speaking to a client so that you get to grips with the type of person they are. Yeah, so yeah. Sort of image to per like portray for them. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Because I realized that at first when I was in this style, I was all very much about flower crowns and like ethereal looks and stuff like that. But it, it became quite obvious quite quickly that you know not everyone fits into that style as much as I like it um girly galore not everyone else is and yeah. so um we we do a consultation that where we just sit down and we chat and I ask like if you had a dream image or a dream photo shoot experience what what would that include would that would you kind of want to do something a bit more high fashion a bit more strange a bit quirkier because this is the, the deal right we're trying to create something that you just wouldn't get from any other photographer it's something 
a bit more extraordinary, very magazine. So we can go down that route and people come with their hesitations because like, seriously, we can do that. I'm like, yes, that's why we're doing this. Like, tell me if you want to do rock chick grungy look and we'll do it. Um, tell me if you want to go full gown dancing in front of the Eiffel Tower at dawn and we'll do it. Yeah. Or like, um, like a lot of the men, they quite like the tailored suit look, looking really sharp and smart. They'll go get their hair cut really nice and trim and um, maybe style their beard out a bit because it is about the polished look. It is very structured posing. And so they, they, they come in with their suits and we do a bit of backlighting and it's great fun. And they look really strong, very chiseled, very handsome. I've had also some women who like I say go for the more floral girly look but I've also had some women come in who have just outright said I'm way more casual than that and it's like okay come in your casual clothes we'll still do the magazine finish the the fine grain look the really nice lighting but we'll show you and document you and I've had other people come in who mostly identify maybe with the job that they do and so they'll bring something in that relates to that and we'll kind of almost do a character portrait that shows who they are through their work and it's all like maybe a bit moody or something like that so it, it's just really talking them through and showing them the possibilities because people don't often believe that they're that that could happen it's like no no this is this is it this is why it's so quirky and different <laughs> <laughs> so after the consultation what's that like the next stages for you when they actually come along for their shoot what does that look like um, well, I tend to just kind of send them off and they'll be given like a loose guide on how to get ready. A lot of it's very, it's fairly dull. It's just, you know, make sure your nails are manicured and, um, you know, your roots are colored. Um, just if you're going to polish yourself up, this is the time to do it between now and the shoot. And so they go away and they, um, they also tend to just get very excited and send me loads of images through Pinterest and things like this as well. And so that's wonderful because I welcome it and encourage it often. And so I'm there like in the background. I might be potentially um, painting a backdrop specific for the shoot or finding a prop or something like that. But by the time they come to the shoot, um, everything's ready for them. And all they have to do is show up with a clean face and clean hair and then they just get whisked away into the pamper section where my makeup artist will be doing their hair and makeup and um, we may have nibbles and a bit of breakfast and things like that because shoots tend to start quite early since I shoot natural light and so I have to chase the sun particularly at this time in the winter as well that's a that's another challenge and another game you have to change your tactics <laughs> but um yeah, so they, they go into hair and makeup. And then meanwhile, I'm probably rummaging through a suitcase because even though I say bring four to five outfits, everyone brings their entire wardrobe yeah. because why not? And so I'm there sifting through, pulling out the favorite pieces, getting the outfits ready, getting the backdrops ready. And then we go through the whole shoot experience, um, which is just great fun. And it's yeah. just, it's a... Uh, yeah, it's it is because we have like music on. Um, we like all the posing is very guided. Um, I know that sometimes people, particularly with this style, they think they have to come as a professional model with poses in their back pocket and know how to do it. But that's not the point. Um, I'm constantly guiding whoever it is in front of my lens through the experience and 
um, encouraging them to also pose to for their body shape. So if I've got a particularly curvaceous lady, it's about pushing the booty back away from the lens, creating um, a waist with hands on our hands on our waist, bringing them forward so that we're showing off the gorgeous hourglass. Because that's the other thing is particularly with curvaceous women. They hide under baggy clothes and they don't think that they have a gorgeous figure. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. We're going to put you on a nice tight bodycon dress. We're going to show off those cool, really lovely hourglass curves that you have. And we're going to highlight that stunning smile, those gorgeous cheekbones and, you know, pose that way. And the whole the whole thing is completely guided. Um, not once did people ever tell me that they felt uncomfortable because they're too busy pulling their chin forward and down because I'm constantly like, okay, chin forward, chin forward. Okay, relax the shoulders, relax the shoulders and chin forward, chin forward. Okay, we're going to bring the arm forward. We're going to bring, no, drop it, drop it, drop it a little bit more. Bring the chin forwards, bring the chin forwards. And as I'm doing that, as I'm saying all of that, I'm shooting. So nobody's got any time to focus on the fact that they feel uncomfortable or challenged or anything like that, because I talk too much, as per. Yeah, I've been at photo shoots in the past where the photographer's gone, oh, and he's not even got the camera at his, at his face, and he's like, right, hmm. oh, that's perfect, hold that right there. And by the time he's said that and got the camera from where it is up to his face, my face is then frozen, and I've gone like a rock, and I look ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm like, just say things and click will you because I'm really uncomfortable in front of the camera as it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah because there is an awkward pause isn't there yeah it's like I don't want that split second I want it to go faster and faster <laughs> and faster <laughs> oh I know I know um so yeah that's I it it did it became more and more noticeable that the more I spoke the less time people have to think so the more comfortable they feel yeah <laughs> So if anybody's listening to this just now and they think that sounds pretty awesome, I want to check this out. Where is the best place for people to find you? Um, they can go to charlottekensington.com or they can find me on social media by just searching Charlotte Kensington Portraits. Um, or they can even email me at info at charlottekensington.com. It's all kind of Charlotte Kensington galore. If you sh- search that anyway, you'll probably find me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good, good, good. So I've just got a couple more questions to ask before we wrap up for today. Yeah, sure. So the first one is, if you could go back and give your younger self some advice, and I know you're still a baby, but you know, <laughs> it was a few years ago, what would that advice be? Um, interesting, actually, because if I reflect back to that first job, part of me, from knowing what the negative elements of it would be like run for the hills don't even bother don't do it oh my god turn around but the truth is that when I was in that I learned my craft through and through um because you know as you're teaching photography or any subject you need to know it because the student will just come out of the blue with like the most random question and you're expected to have the answer so that was wonderful and also meeting all of the students now I did complain about the constant rotary of courses but the gift it gave me was um meeting all of these really fascinating people because they were all um armed forces leavers 
on forced leavers as well. They they had so many stories and it was incredible. And the thing is, I can only recognize that now upon reflection, because, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. It definitely is. And so I guess the first tip I would give my younger self would be stick it out. Stick out challenges that are pushing you, but learn how to recognize the positive from the negative um, a lot of that originally was um, through gratitude and recognizing that you know I'm just grateful that I can breathe through both nostrils and that I don't have a cold or I'm grateful that it isn't hailing outside even if it is raining yeah. or I'm grateful that all my car tires are still fully inflated and that Percy my Peugeot turned on <laughs> this morning and I got to work on time and just by spinning those things and recognizing the positive, you really change your mindset and how you approach the tasks and challenges in your life. Um, and to be honest, I think that's really the most epic advice I could give. Like if there were three things, then it just all be based around variations of that is just find the positive and the negative. Yeah, gratitude is just such a massive, massive thing that, thankfully people are getting more involved in and realizing now and I think because we live in such a fast-paced instant gratification world you do need to appreciate things like the car starting their ear in the tires your eyes to actually see where you're going and stuff like that and it's all the things you just take for granted on a day-to-day basis yeah no definitely because it was it was when I had a cold actually that I realized wow, every time my nostrils get blocked, I always think, oh, I take breathing for granted. And I thought to myself at that point, right, when this cold is over, I'm going to make an actual, I'm going to go out of my way to make an effort to remember that I'm grateful that I can breathe through both nostrils because it is such a pain in the bum when you can't breathe and it just keeps switching as well. So like, oh, great, now the left nostril's working, but the right's had a, had a moment to relax. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, oh. So yeah, gratitude is should be one of everybody's top five values in life, I think, because that's the thing that will turn the, the toxicity into joy. And ultimately, everyone wants to be happy, don't they? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I have never met anybody who doesn't want to be happy. So yeah, I think that's probably probably up there with top life goals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just to finish up I want to thank you first of all for giving me your time today to do this recording and also for being the inspiration that you are I'm a member of your Facebook group and what I'll do is I'll put the links to your pages and your Facebook group and stuff in the show notes for the podcast oh Um, thank you but when I'm interviewing people for the podcast I look at I look out for women that I see as warrior women that are inspiring or motivational or trying to make a change in the world yeah. When you think of a warrior woman, what springs to mind for you? I think it's about being bold, brave, tough, um, trying to muster confidence and spirit even in dark times. When I think warrior woman, I, I definitely get a picture in my head of somebody who has been through some hard times and challenges, maybe has some scars, but can carry themselves proudly with tall, like posture and just kind of take things on and not like just 
oh, just rock it, basically. Somebody who can just fight and has an undying spirit to fight. So just just keeps going and acing it every time. <laughs> <laughs> Picking themselves up every time they fall. Yeah, definitely. Because that is warrior-esque, isn't it? You, don't, you just don't stop fighting. Yeah. You know that um, it, you're going to fall again. Yeah. If you're not falling in life, then you're not striving and you're not learning to, to be yeah. more. You're just accepting the, the hands that you've been dealt with. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine a life that was all rosy and peachy all the time? You'd go bananas. So I guess in that sense, you can't actually achieve rosy and peachy because you'd just be like bummed out that it's the same every time. Yeah. I also think you that... Know that it, like, you don't know what's good unless you know what's bad. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah I can remember my, my dad said, um, if everyone said yes, what is yes worth? Um, and I was like, whoa, at the time I was about, uh, 14. So that was like really deep for me. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's deep, man. And, uh, but it was like, yeah, excellent point. If everything was just as it is and nothing to challenge it, to cause it a little bit of disruption, a little bit of challenge, then what, what's it worth anymore? It's nothing. It's just merely existence. So yeah, I guess accept and expect a challenge or two every now and again. But it's just about, I guess, reflecting and remembering how you got out of it last time yeah. um, or how somebody else got out of it. Perhaps it's the first time you approach a challenge and just looking at other people's stories and seeing what tools they used to fight through yeah. as well. Yeah. It's, always the same, it's always the same tools. It's just being brave, being courageous and saying yes to yourself and no to somebody else. Yeah. Rather yeah. than being the yes man all the time. Oh, definitely. <laughs> he, he is. He is a very. Well, I think I, I love talking to my dad because we get into some right philosophical conversations quite often, and that would have probably been the product of one of our philosophical conversations. <laughs> yeah, because considering you are, as you say, a baby, and you're young, like you are young in years, but you have experienced a lot, and you are very wise and very courageous, and. Oh you clearly take on board the lessons that you've learned over time and look for solutions rather than just sitting back. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't, although I expect a challenge or two now, I definitely couldn't let go of those skills and this um, new attitude. I'm pretty convinced that should anyone see me again from that past, they probably wouldn't recognize me because of just the vibes and the energy I can now give yeah. to people you know nurture and help and encourage rather than absorb and fall apart and cry <laughs> very melodramatic there just like whoa whoa is me <laughs> oh, this has been amazing thank you so so much for your time um as you know, we can chat on for hours and hours, but I don't yeah. think any podcast listeners want to listen no. for hours and hours. So yeah. I want to thank you very much and give a little end to this podcast. Nice. So well, thanks so much for inviting me.